Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 45 of Intuitive Bites Podcast. For the show this week, I'm chatting with Julie Duffy Dillon, and we're talking about PCOS, which is, which is something that she talks about a lot. Um, Julie works with a lot of clients that have PCOS. If you haven't heard of this, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we talk in this episode a lot about the stigma associated with this condition. We talk about the symptoms that come along with it. We talk about how dieting with PCOS and restricting with PCOS really just mess everything up more. However, that is like the most common recommendation for treating it. So it's like completely wild. Uh, But Julie has just a a ton of amazing insight into this. So if this is something that interests you, I definitely urge you to continue listening. Um, Julie also has a ton of resources available. So um, you can find her on Instagram as Food Peace Dietitian. You can also find her on her website, which is Julie Duffy Dillon. Oh, no, no, juliedillonrd.com. juliedillonrd.com is her site. Um, she has a podcast called Love Food Podcast. Um, she's got an online course for PCOS. She has a website called pcosandfoodpeace.com. And on her blog, you'll also find lots and lots of posts about PCOS. So tons of resources. Um, this is a super interesting discussion, I think, for anyone to listen to. So I'm really excited to share it with you guys. I hope you're having an awesome summer at this point. I guess it's wrapping up for now. Um, But let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Julie. All right, Julie, we're good to go. So I am super excited to ask you more about this topic of PCOS today. But before we dive into that, I would love for you to just introduce yourself, you know, a, a little bit about the work you do and maybe how you got into this niche. Yeah. Well, thanks. For, first of all, thank you for um, inviting me to come on your podcast. I really appreciate it. And so um, I am a registered dietitian and I also have a training in um, counseling. So I have a master's in mental health counseling and I help people with PCOS to um, migrate towards an intuitive eating approach. So one thing that I've heard along the way um, in my work in intuitive eating and, and weight inclusive approaches to, to health is that people with PCOS are often told that they can't like not diet, like they have to diet in order to promote health and to prevent bad things from happening. And, um, I remember like not really knowing what to do when I first started working with people with PCOS. And, um, you know, when I, when I found myself with a few clients with PCOS, I was already really, invested and firmly like standing in a haze informed or health at every size informed, um, way of practicing. So I wasn't going to 
be giving anybody a diet. But yet when I was like looking at how to treat PCOS, it kept saying like, um, make, you know, help them lose weight and treat it like pre-diabetes or diabetes. And um, I'm like, well, I don't think that's going to work. And so I basically just really tried and tried to find other ways. And I had some amazing mentors along the way that helped me to just look at other approaches. And so over the last, I think almost 15 years now, I've, I don't know, basically tried different things with clients and they've given me feedback on what worked and what hasn't. And so we've kind of collected some practice-based evidence. You know, it's not evidence-based practice, but practice-based evidence of like, Hey, this may, this has worked for other people it may work for you. Tell me what you think. And the thing that's really cool is it's strategies that are helping people to feel like just more in their body. And then when they're more in their body, they can figure out what tools help them to promote health with PCOS. And so, yeah, like people without PCOS or people with PCOS rather can do intuitive eating work for sure. Like definitely can. So, um, yeah, so that's what I, that's a lot of what, of the, the work I'm doing right now is, is helping people connect with that innate wisdom to say goodbye to diets forever. Awesome. That is, that's so interesting. And I, you know, I was saying to you before, like, it's wild to me that like, I feel like PCOS in my dietetics training was like, if anything brushed over, but like, I, I really can't tell you anything about like remembering anything from learning it in my programs. But the one thing that I can remember that I pieced together was like, Oh, like this is something that happens and like people in larger bodies and like, you know, whatever. And like weight loss is kind of like the, the treatment recommendation. Like that's the only thing that like I pulled. So I, I'm, I guess before I dive into like that misconception or conception or whatever, I would love for you to just like explain a bit like based on a basic level, like ex- of what PCOS actually is. Yeah, because there's lots of myths about that. And so I think it's always good to start with what it's not. So PCOS is not something that is caused by someone gaining weight. Um, It's not caused by something that a person ate. um, And it can't be cured. And it's not something that starts in the ovaries. You know, even though it's polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, like you don't have to have cysts on your ovaries in order to even have this thing. But um, it is an endocrine disorder that has reproductive and metabolic and psychological consequences to it. And it starts in the, in the brain, in the hypothalamus. And um, one of the things that, that happens for a lot of people is it ends up making them um, have just different kind of periods or periods that are really heavy or they're really long or, or they're just none at all. And so that's why this whole like reproductive side of it has been the focus. Mm -hmm. And when they first um, identified it, um, and I think it was in like 1930 something, I probably, I can't remember exactly the year, but a while ago, um, when they first started to um, name it, the thing they kept seeing were these like pearl-like cysts around the ovaries. And um, what they weren't really cysts, they were actually immature follicles. And um, but yet a person doesn't have to have those immature follicles in order to have this condition. And there's some kind of common experiences with it. Um, like there's um, high androgen. So, so when I say that, that basically means there's higher amounts of testosterone or other types of sex hormones. Um, and so for some people, it makes them have hair where they don't want it or lose hair where they don't want to lose hair. And um, then it also can make... Um, metabolically some changes where um, one of the big ones is it 
promotes insulin levels to be really high. And this is where, you know, when we, you and I were training to become dietitians, they were like lumping it into, well, it's just things that happen to people in larger bodies or, um, you know, lump it with diabetes. It's because of this insulin connection. And, and honestly, um, people with diabetes or people with uh, PCOS rather, um, could be any size. And there's, n- it's not like PCOS just happens in people at higher weights. It's really the um, spectrum of size is pretty representative of the general population. Mm-hmm. So it's not like more people with PCOS are in larger bodies. It's pretty much the same percentage as the rest of the population, um, which I think is really interesting and, and important to point out because if a person loses weight, which is the primary way that people are told they should treat it, um, that it should make it them better, but yet, um, you know, people at lower weights have it. So why would it cure it? <laughs> but, um, but the thing with insulin that I want to point out that's really different and people who are listening, who have PCOS, um, first of all, hello. And, um, I hope this helps, but, um, also I think you'll, I, you'll be like, oh yeah, that totally is the experience, but these high circulating insulin levels that are just so much higher than, any, anything else. Like not, it's higher than people with type two diabetes. Um, and what ends up happening is this experience of like eating a meal and feeling kind of full, but then uh, a lack of satisfaction, or there may be this kind of craving. Um, and the craving is not even like, I don't have PCOS. So when I have a craving, it's kind of like, Oh, I have a hankering for something sweet, you know, and um, you have a couple bites of something or maybe um, a bag of chips or something. I don't know. And then you're done. But someone with PCOS who has really high circulating insulin levels, it'll feel like this primal kind of like, I'm going to die if I don't eat whatever. And um, for a lot of my clients, they'll tell me that that is something that's really contributed to them having really negative body image because they're told to cut out these things, but they're like every cell in their body is screaming. They have to have it. And so they really feel like they're going to die if they don't, but then they also feel like so much shame because they have it, you know? And um, so it's this really kind of complicated roller coaster that diet culture plus PCOS just makes things really, really hard to like be at home in your body. And I'm hoping this conversation helps people that experience PCOS or if they know someone with PCOS, it just helps them to feel like, Hey, no, you're not crazy. And no, it's not the willpower. It's some physiology that is complicated. So it sounds like like the perfect storm with like, with making this recommendation for like someone with PCOS to pursue weight loss, which is something that can kind of, I would think, I mean, yeah, like it's obviously going to like exacerbate like these feelings of like intense cravings and things like Mm -hmm. that, just like this roller coaster. So like, I guess I'm wondering like your, your thoughts on like what happens when somebody with PCOS tries to lose weight? So um, again, this is one of those times where I'm like, anybody listening with PCOS, <laughs> you're going to be like, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> um, most people with PCOS, when they attempt to lose weight, um, it's going to maybe feel hopeful in the beginning and um, you know feel like it's going to be this thing that's going to make them feel better in the long run. Um, and... Um, cutting out things that are generally recommended, like cutting out calories or carbohydrates or sugar, what ends up happening is these high circulating insulin levels. Um, basically, you know, when insulin is high, it's like the body is like, well, it's time to eat, you know, so feed me. And when the insulin levels get higher and higher, it's just like more intense needing to eat. And so then if you take away more food 
and more glucose, you know, basically by eliminating carbs and or sugar, then it's just going to make the body have more intense cravings. And so in the end, for most people, not everyone, but for most people with PCOS, it ends up promoting a really intense cycle of restricting or dieting, however you want to name it. Um, and um, then these, what may feel like a binge, like this kind of out of control, I can't stop eating, I need to satisfy this primal urge. Um, I don't want to call it a binge because I feel like it's the body saving itself. But yeah. a lot of times that's what my clients will call it as like, it's emotional eating or stress eating or I'm addicted to food. Mm. or binge eating. And um, so it'll kind of make this chaos because then after the eating experiences that feel just so powerful, when they're done, a lot of people naturally will just not want to eat as much because you're really full, but also feel so much shame. So then also wanting to restrict again. And so it ends up being this cycle that happens over and over again. And um, so if you look, if you like kind of connect all those dots together over time, it ends up making for yo-yo dieting, which is like, technically we always call like weight cycling. And so it's like when you start a diet, lose, lose weight and then gain the weight back and gain some more weight because, you know, most people will, and then go on another diet, lose some weight, gain the weight back gain some more, um, like doing that kind of cycle. It in the end makes for lots of really complicated things. Like it increases your risk of depression. It makes blood pressure higher. It makes, um, your blood sugar higher, and it also makes insulin levels higher. So someone with PCOS already has these high insulin levels, so it makes it even worse. Um, so yeah, basically it, it sets the stage for weight cycling. It sets the stage for um, having a really disconnected way of exist- existing with your body and um, adding another risk factor basically to all these other consequences that happen with PCOS. So I strongly discourage weight for the pursuit of weight loss with PCOS. I think it's like something that is super risky and harmful. I don't think it should be the first, second or 20th thing that we (laughs) recommend. Um, But yeah. It sounds productive. It sounds like it's like, yeah, it's just the opposite of what um, that person's really looking for. And what I was thinking about when you were talking is um, that, you know, in the context of like diet culture, like I think something that's so toxic is that is that people always blame themselves and like in that like yeah. situation where like they ate so much and whatever and it was this really chaotic like feeling whatever like they're like oh like I messed up in some way like I need to restrict better I need to control better and in reality it's like this pursuit of weight loss or whatever that's like actually like making everything worse and like is actually the problem. Yeah, well, and here's the thing I didn't mention. Um, you know, in the short term. A lot of these interventions that are the primary recommendations for PCOS, like cutting out carbs or sugar or calories or exercising more, whatever, in the short term, like six weeks or 12 weeks, it does show like lowering insulin levels and lowering blood sugar and um, improving egg quality and ovulation. But, um, you know, technically long-term research in PCOS like is only 12 weeks. I shouldn't say technically, because I, I don't think that anybody really gave that a stamp of approval. But whenever I read, you know, um, official recommendations for why diets are recommended for PCOS, they'll say long-term um, evidence-based research recommends this intervention to, um, you know, some kind of diet in order to improve egg quality with PCOS. And then when I look at it, I'm like, that was a 12-week intervention. Like, that is not long-term. So, um so yeah, I mean, it's kind of complicated because yeah, in the short term, it's going to do something, but here's the, here's the newsflash. Like 
we're not robots. Um, we actually relate to food outside of just fuel and we cannot like the hyperinsulinemia will make a person feel so much deprivation because their body is starving. Like the body is not getting energy. So it makes for a really miserable experience. And uh, yeah, so it's counterproductive for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny as you talk about it, because I feel like it's just like this like heightened, like crazy, like extra whatever response that like already happens. Like with somebody like who's dieting, like I feel like this, like uh, the, what am I trying to say? Like the cope, the uh, compensatory mechanisms happen and like try to, you know, urge you to go back to food and like give you cravings and whatever. But with PCOS, with somebody with PCOS, like it seems like that's just like even more, like it's heightened that response. Yeah. Because those of us without PCOS, we don't have that circulating, that higher circulating insulin. Um, Also having higher testosterone is another thing that leads to um, kind of the, this experience of more hunger. Um, There's also other, um, hormones involved. Um, one is cholecystokinin, which as dietitians, we always call it CCK. It's one of the hormones that, um, is involved with appetite. And that's another one that's disrupted with PCOS. And so, yeah, like those of us without it, when we have been restrict cycles, it can feel just like really primal. But then when someone has this condition on top of it, it's just, um, really gets in the way with a person just living their life. Um, and it's just, it's, it, I feel like more people need to speak up for people with PCOS and be like, Hey, like, why should they torture themselves just to comply with some silly equation? That's not even, I mean, BMI. And that's not really based on anything that has any causation research behind it. And, um, let's help people actually feel better. You know, I think, like you shouldn't have to feel like crap in order to promote health. And um, yeah, let's like look at some long-term stuff instead of these just short-term things. And um, yeah, and I, I do think fat phobia and um, lots of different type of oppressive systems have really harmed people with PCOS. Wow. And um, I just, uh, yeah, I feel like they're, that's what's keeping people from, with PCOS from really experiencing health and feeling at home in their own skin. Yeah. And it, it sounds like there's like a crazy high need for like actual long-term studies with people with PCOS, yes. obviously yes. with like, you know, interventions that are not based with weight loss. So I'm curious, like, okay, so if, you know, pursuing weight loss is not the, the road for like helping or treating or managing, I guess managing is a better way of putting it. Um, what would you, like, what are the recommendations for somebody that's struggling with this? So um, I have basically come up with like a 12 step system that I take people through, but you know, really the, the foundation of it is like, let's make sure you're eating enough. And what actually enough food is, is probably more than a person thinks because people with PCOS are often told to like cut out their calories to whatever. And I have, I have seriously lost count. Like so many people have told me they're like, yeah, my doctor said I need to eat below this amount of calories oh. every day. And then they'll be like, but they didn't even ask me how much I'm eating. Cause I'm eating half of that. And they're oh. telling me that I need to just eat less. Wow. I know. Isn't that amazing? So i like, the first step is always like, let's make sure you're actually eating enough. Like, Um, so, you know, meeting with a dietitian to actually figure out what that is and make sure it's not a dietitian that's going to be like 
wanting you to eat less, like making sure it's a dietitian that's wanting you to like heal. And that's a really important part of this because um, research with PCOS has connected, um, you know, it's a chronic condition and this chronic conditions associated with this pro-inflammatory state, which basically means the body is like run down. It's like tired for having to like deal with this hormonal kind of bounce around experience. And so it's depleted a lot of the stores of, and, and when you take out carbohydrates and calories and, you know, eliminate a lot of those, that just makes that worse. And so my first step is always like, okay, let's, let's make sure you're eating enough. And then it's making sure a person has access to appropriate healthcare where they're like, okay, let's make sure you're getting access to like medication if you need it. Mm -hmm. I recommend a couple supplements. I don't recommend a lot. There's like so many that people are often told to take with PCOS, but there's only two that I really uh, think are important. And so I, I like people to, to experiment with that if they have access to that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the other one is, um, you know, I know people with PCOS are told to cut out carbs and sugar. I actually think that's putting the cart before the horse. I don't think that's a good idea. I do think there's like something about protein with PCOS. Like people probably just need more protein. I don't know exactly how that looks for each individual. So I encourage my clients to experiment with strategically placing protein in places without taking anything else away. So if someone's eating a pop tart or oatmeal or um, golden grams for breakfast, you know, just putting some protein with it and noticing how their body reacts to it. And, you know, doing that kind of work of like noticing how the body reacts to it, it's really hard to be able to connect with that when insulin levels are very, very high. And so that's why eating enough and connecting to medications and or supplements is what I would do first, because you need kind of tools to help just bring down that, like almost like turn down the, the volume of the insulin. And, um, you know, I, I developed an intuitive eating scale with Kimmy Singh. She's a, um, a dietitian that, um, has PCOS. And so she was a grad student with me before she was a dietitian. And so we developed this intuitive eating scale for PCOS where like the bottom of the scale, um, when I say scale, it's really just a graphic. I don't know. Like, I just feel like I need to say that, but uh, it's not a scale you weigh yourself on. But uh, the the graphic on the bottom is like when insulin levels are really high, it's going to feel like constant carb cravings, fatigue, um, lots of headaches. and um, But then as the insulin levels come down, the upper part of the intuitive eating graphic has um, a little bit more clarity. There's like less noise, but it's still a little different. Like cravings are still different. Satiety may feel different. Um, fatigue is a bigger part of intuitive eating um, and, and like energy levels basically um, to, to know if, if that food, that amount, the time of day, if that's something that sits well with you. Um, so yeah, like I feel like in order to really have access to that stuff, we need to help a person find tools to lower insulin first. Yeah. Um, and it may not lower it as enough, but um, just enough so they can like, okay, I feel better. Like, oh, I noticed my cravings are, are shifting a little bit. And that's a really great sign as a clinician for me to be yeah. like, okay, ooh, what you're doing me is probably doing something. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's really using the body just like we would in intuitive eating work for anybody else, just using the body then to help direct the next step, you know, if you're craving movement, what would feel good? Um, if you find that eating this type of food gives you a headache, okay, there you, now you know, like don't eat it when you don't want a headache. <laughs> and, and, um, or, you know, cause there's gonna be times like I have some clients who are like, 
when I eat, um, I don't know, I'm thinking of something random, um, Skittles, um, it gives me a headache or I feel really sluggish and but I love Skittles. And so they may then have Skittles on their days. They don't go to work because it doesn't matter if they're tired, you know, but yeah. then if like, oh, I have a big deadline this afternoon, I think I'll have M&Ms instead. You know, like that doesn't seem to do it. I don't know. Um, so it's using permission basically to get enough food and permission to eat what you want. And then also letting your body guide you in a way that's non-judgmental and compassionate. And, you know, what I hope any listener can appreciate with this process is um, doing intuitive eating with intuitive eating work with PCOS is not like a passive kind of process. It's not something that is just like um, a giving up kind of thing. It's more, it's a very active, if anything, because it's a really trying to shift the brain to be in the present most of the time as often as possible, which is really hard when you've been told your body's wrong to do, you know? Um, and yeah, so like it's a, it's a very active process and it's one that I, sometimes my clients will be like, I feel like I'm giving up since I'm not pursuing weight loss. And I, I like to gently shift into, you know, you're working really hard and this is, you are actively pursuing health and it's just not the way the world has told you that you're supposed to do it. And you are, like searching, like this is, this is a, a very active process. So I just wanted to name that. Yeah, absolutely. I, Cause I can totally imagine how it would feel like, like you're saying, like kind of like giving up or whatever, when in reality, it's like actually taking care of yourself, like in a more compassionate, like amazing way. But um, it's really hard to like make that shift. But um, you were talking before about like, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, I, I like jotted something down and I totally lost it. Oh, <laughs> I know. Eating enough before, like what, that was one of the things. I think you also mentioned like supplements and medication mm-hmm. and like eating enough. But it, it made me think of like work that I've done with clients who don't necessarily have PCOS. But like I think so often with intuitive eating, I find people like trying to be like, okay, I'm going to try really hard to like eat really slowly and mindfully and like pay really good attention. But like, they aren't, if they're in that place of like, they haven't eaten enough and they're like, their body is like kind of in that like primal, like, oh my gosh, I need food right now. Like state, like Mm -hmm. you're going to drive yourself more crazy by trying to like, you know, put your fork down between bites or whatever, like trying to eat slowly. Like in reality, in that moment, like your body just needs to like eat and you need like, it would be more helpful to like figure out ways to like nourish yourself better and like satisfy yourself more. So then you can like kind of like slow down and pay more attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Cause mindfulness is such a wonderful concept and the, the origination of mindfulness and the people who started that, I mean, the intent was not to eat less. The intent was about being present and compassionate. Like compassion was like all of it and not to eat yourself or like be so mindful that you're skinnier or that you eat less. And yeah, when we're in a place of deprivation or healing from like the trauma of diet culture and other ways that we're marginalized, you know, yeah, mindfulness is not going to look like, um, you know, taking slow bites and putting the fork down. Um, Mindful eating is going to be rapid. It's going to be messy and it's going to feel like chaotic. And that doesn't mean you're not being mindful. You're taking care of your body in those moments. And um, you know, if mindful mindfulness, I think would be really accessible to everyone if there wasn't 
um, you know, like white supremacy and fat phobia and all these other marginalized or oppressive systems. And so um, I think making an individual think that they should be able to have access to that when they probably aren't experiencing all the privileges that are required in current day and time to have that kind of slow, you know, satisfying meal, (laughs) Um, then, you know, I think that's, there's something wrong with that. But when I do notice when my clients are in a place where they are eating enough for them and they're feeling more at home in their body, they do start to notice like I'm more present in the meal. Like they'll just say something like that. And, and I can't help but smile when I hear that. Cause I'm like, Oh, that means that they're feeling more at home. Okay. What's happening. That's making that happen for them. And, um, you know, it's, it takes different lengths of time for different people based on what type of lived experience they have and support systems and all that. But, um, so it may, it may end up being, you know, putting the fork down, but it may not. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because it's like, it's almost as if like, that's, it's really just a side effect of like the healing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I'm going to do this. <laughs> yes, exactly. So much of PCOS intuitive eating work is the side effect may look like some of the recommendations you'll hear, like not everyone with PCOS, but a good number of people I work with when they've gone through this, these steps and they're eating enough and they're connected and embodied, they may find they don't really like a lot to eat a lot of sugar or carbs. It just doesn't feel good. But like, it's not from a place of, um, of avoidance. It's not from a place of they can't have it. Um, it also is in a place where they have healed. So like getting enough carbohydrate and sugar when a person's in a place of deprivation is really important. Um, and so it's also just a sign that for them, their bodies in a place that feels safe and um, you can't rush that stuff. You can't. And it's not like that for everybody. I mean, everyone, it has been different that I worked with. Like some people, the carbs thing does not matter at all. It's like moot completely. (laughs) So interesting. Yeah. Julie, where would you like, uh, yeah. Where would you kind of guide people to who are listening to this and they're like, Oh my God, this is me. I didn't even know. Or like I, whatever, Mm -hmm. I want more help. Like what are some resources and recommendations um, you could kind of guide those people to right now? Sure. So the, the best place to go just for anything that um, any of the stuff that I'm putting together is my website and it's juliedillonrd.com. And what you'll find on there is um, I have a podcast that's called love food and it's for people with and without PCOS. And um, I have special episodes that I'll put together for people with PCOS. Like right now, as we're recording this in the summer, I'm, I'm rebroadcasting a um, 10 episode series that I did with Kimmy Singh, the dietitian I mentioned earlier, um, where we interviewed people with PCOS and their experiences, just navigating the systems and their relationship with their body. And that's been a really, that was really fun to put together. So I'm glad that we are rebroadcasting it. And then if someone, want, I have like lots of blog posts too. So looking on my blog, um, if you put in the, like the search engine area of my blog, just PCOS, I mean, I think we have like 20 different blog posts at least on PCOS. So just even like, hey, what supplements or what about movement or what about protein um, or metformin, different medications, you know, it goes through all of that. And then if you really want to deep dive, I do have a, an online course for people with, PC, uh, with PCOS and you can get to that information at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. Awesome. Oh, you have so many things. This is awesome. Do you, um, I think I know the answer, but do you take virtual clients and also yeah. what else mm-hmm. you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And where else can people find you online, social media? So um, I'm mostly just on Instagram. So that's food peace dietitian on Instagram. And yeah, I'm not really anywhere else these days. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was fantastic. Thanks for your time. Well, Kristen, it was so fun to talk to you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with you and your listeners. Of course. All right, guys, that is a wrap on the episode this week. I hope you got a lot out of it. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you can find more info from Julie on her website, which is juliedillonrd.com, or find her on Instagram as foodpeacedietitian. And also, if you've been listening to my podcast and you've been enjoying it and taking a lot from it, um, I'd really, really highly appreciate um, you taking a moment to leave a rating on iTunes. So either just you know clicking the stars and leaving a rating that way or taking a moment to write a quick review. Um, obviously, it makes a difference. So uh, I'd really, really appreciate that if you've been listening to the podcast. All right, guys, that's all I have for you for now. But I will be back next week with another episode. Talk to you soon.